Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about droughts. I wanted to play for you something from the BBC about this. And so, stand by. Here we go. The devastating effects of El Nino. The lack of rain accompanied by heat waves. This is the worst drought to hit South Africa since 1982. Millions are facing water shortages. This is rather unusual, because under normal circumstances, I would be waist height in water here. This reservoir has completely dried up, and it just goes to show how severe the drought is. The country's farmers have been the hardest hit. Six of Tuso Galana's cows starved to death. Many more are missing. He fears the worst. He wanted to show us the dried up watering hole, only to find one of his calves trapped in the mud, close to death. There was no time to waste. More manpower was needed, and the BBC team had to put the camera down and assist with the rescue. This is heartbreaking. I am losing out more than I should be gaining. It's only a matter of time before those who work for me become unemployed. Without some intervention, the stark reality facing many farmers is that more livestock will keep dying. And just talking about the soil itself. Many commercial farmers have criticized government's slow response in helping out. At this stage, there's no help. Because of this uh, uh, drought, we are still waiting to hear what are the programs that are going to be implemented for fighting this drought. We didn't even plant, so it's going to be going to affect our food security, it's going to affect the price, and the, the poorest of the poorest that we always talk about, they are the ones who are going to be worse off. The prospects of rainfall look promising, but the ever-changing weather patterns brought by climate change could still affect the country's food security. Nomsa Masego, BBC News, Free State. But South Africa is not the only place. Here's another clip about Egypt and the Nile running dry. Egypt is called the gift of the Nile. The river winds through Egypt, carving a fertile path from south to north. It's the reason there is any life at all in this otherwise desert country, because it's the only source of water for 80 million people. Today, Egypt faces a crisis. There simply isn't enough water. Growth along the river, both in Egypt and in the nine other countries it passes through, means increased demand on a limited resource. It's a situation which has sparked warnings from the Egyptian government, international water experts, and U.S. intelligence agencies who warn that there is a potential threat of war over water in the region. Just go to YouTube and type in drought around the world. 
and you will find that there's droughts everywhere, all over the globe. Japan, for example, near Tokyo, there is a freshwater lake and a supply reservoir, and it's almost gone. And likewise in Turkey, and India, and China, and Australia, and yes, even in America. So let's explore the Bible a little bit and see what we can learn what the Bible says about droughts and how it may affect us here in the United States. Of course, we must realize that many of these aren't caused by God. They're caused by human activity. But let's take Deuteronomy 28, verses 22 through 24, for example. The Lord will smite you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, and with the fiery heat, and the sword, and with blight, and with mildew, and they will pursue you until you perish. We're going to find out why. The heaven which is over your head will be bronze, and the earth which is under you will be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder and dust from heaven. It shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Well, this is from idol worship. There are many in the world who do worship idols. Psalm 65, 9 and 10. You visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. So see, God can curse or bless. In Psalm 147, he says, Who covers the heavens with clouds and provides rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. Now, let's see what else we can find. Here's 1 Kings 17:1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the settlers from Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. God had given him the power to shut up the heavens for three and a half years. That's a long time to go without water. In Jeremiah 5, verse 24, he says, They do not say in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord, who gives rain in its season, both the autumn rain and the spring rain, who keeps for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Without the um, appropriate time, the season of rain, all of our harvests are going to be in trouble. What does that mean to us? It means famine. It means skyrocketing food prices. It means shortages in the stores where you and I like to shop. Scary stuff, all. Jeremiah 14.22 says, 
Are there any among the idols of the nations who give rain? Answer, of course not. Or can the heavens grant showers by themselves? Is it not you, O Lord, our God? Therefore we put our hope in you. You are the one who has done all these things. That's why we don't worship an idol who can't see or hear or talk or walk or move or have a being of any kind. No, we trust in the one and only true God who gives rain and showers and fruitful fields. Look what it says in Psalm 107, 33 and 34. He changes rivers into wilderness Dries them up, you you mean? Yeah. And springs of water into a thirsty ground, like in South Africa. A fruitful land into a salt waste, like in Turkey, because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. Whoa. And that, my friends, is coming to the United States for our own wickedness. Take California as an example. Matthew 5:45 says, "So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous." So God is the one who chooses whether or not to make it rain or to stay dry. Isaiah 5 and verse 6, "I will lay it waste." It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come upon the land. I will also um, charge the rain clouds to not dump rain on it. I'm hearing thunder outside right now. Wow, that's great. Jeremiah 2, verse 2 and 3. Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you, the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals. You are following after me in the wilderness, through a land not even sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. The first of his harvest, all who ate of it, became guilty. Evil came upon them. Well, yeah. And then Joel 2 and verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Then in Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into your storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now with this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until it overflows. Yes, that's what we need. Prove me. Well, what does that mean? It means turn back to him and follow him. Jeremiah fourteen one through 6, that which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah in regard to the drought. Quote, Judah mourns, and her gates languish. They sit on the ground in mourning, and the cry of Jerusalem has ascended. Their nobles have sent their servants for water. 
and they have come to the cisterns and found no water. They have returned with their vessels empty, and they have put shame they have been put to shame and humiliated. They cover their heads, and you can read on. Jeremiah fifty verse thirty eight says, A drought on her waters, and they will be dried up, for it is a land of idols, and they are mad over fearsome idols. Well, idols can't be fearsome unless we worship them and give them more credit than they deserve, certainly, for they are dumb and can't even talk or see. Deuteronomy eleven thirteen through 14 It shall come about, if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that he will give you rain in your land in its season, the early and late rain, that you may gather in your grain and have plenty of food, in other words, and your new wine and your oil. It's a blessing from God when you see it rain. Ezekiel 22, 23, and 24 says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. So God, again, withholds rain for those who do not worship him. Leviticus 26, 3 and 4 if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you rains in their season, so that the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear fruit. Amen. Yay. That's what we need. James 5 18 says, Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's get a little context of this. In uh, verse 7, he says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too. Be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. And then dropping down to verse 17, Elijah, and this is who he's really talking about here, was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Verse 18, he prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander away from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Wow. Over in Amos 4 and verse Seven, he says, Furthermore, I will withhold, no, I withheld the rain from you while there were still three months until the harvest. 
Then I would send rain on one city, and on another I would not send rain. One part would be rained on, and the other part wouldn't be rained on. It would dry up instead. Then 1 Kings 8, 35 and 36. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain, it's because they have sinned against you, Lord. And then they pray toward this place and confess your name. And I believe this is Solomon's prayer, by the way, when he dedicated the temple. Uh, Your name and... um, turn from their sin, and you afflict them, then hear from heaven, and forgive the sin of your servants and of your people Israel, and send rain on your land, which you have given to your people for an inheritance. Haggai, the little book of Haggai, one eleven, I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, and on the grain, on the new wine and on the oil, on the ground, on what the ground produces, on men and cattle, and all the labor of your hands. Why? Well, let's see if we can figure that out. In verse 5 of Haggai 1, he says this in the NIV. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways... You have planted much, but you have harvested hardly anything, little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Yeah, when there's a drought and you have to buy your water from afar, like I do, and uh, it's not cheap. It's very much like having a bag with holes in it to put your money in. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, I turned it into little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? God Almighty answers, Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine and the oil and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. So we can clearly get the picture that God wants to be loved and worshipped, and he deserves it. He has the power of life and death over each and every one. He owns us. Let's face that. And let's accept it. Why not be loved by him? And love him in return. We all should, every one of us, myself included. Oh, let's see, where are we going to go now? Zechariah 10 and verse 1 Ask rain from the Lord at the time of the spring rain, the Lord who makes the storm clouds 
and he will give them showers of rain, vegetation in the field to each man. I'm a gardener. I like to watch things grow. It's cool as can be. I wait for a couple of weeks for a seed to come up. And it does take some time. And some plants grow fast and the others grow slow. Plant a little bean seed and in a week or two you'll have a plant. You plant a seed for a mango tree and it takes two weeks to a month to even spring its little head up out of the ground. In Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the uh, yield of the olive tree should fail, and the fields produce no foods, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will still exalt the Lord, and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Why? For he will save us and deliver us. All we need to do is turn back to him. He just wants to be loved. Don't you? I do. Why not? Deuteronomy 8.15, he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there is no water. He brought water for you out of the flint of rock, or the rock of flint. In Isaiah 41.17, he says, The afflicted and the needy are seeking water, but there isn't any. Their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. And he won't forsake us either if we turn back to him. That's what we need to do. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our president and all the um, cabinet so that they might start each and every day with prayer and Bible study. That's what we need. We need to turn back to God. Absolutely. In Isaiah 48, in verse 21 and 20, or 20 and 21, Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans. Who are those people? Well, that would be the Iraqis. Declare with the sound of joyful shouting and proclaim this, Send it out to the ends of the earth and say, The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water to flow out of the rock for them. He split the rock and water gushed forth. Did you know that the rock at Horeb sits atop a hill? It looks like a little mountain. But this huge rock, it's six stories tall. Six stories. That's taller than our courthouse by two stories. That rock got split from the top to the bottom. And then water gushed up from the bottom to the top. That's a huge gusher. And it filled a lake so that two million people could drink around its shore. That is no small feat. 
And on the top of a mountain? Highly irregular. Highly irregular. That was a miracle provided by God. You can still go to Saudi Arabia and see that to this day. You can go on YouTube. Just type in the rocket Horeb or the rock of Moses or something like that. Now in Jeremiah 2, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went afar from me? and walked after emptiness, and became empty themselves. They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed, where no man dwelt? Well, that's exactly what God did, and he gave them water for the two million people that left Egypt at Horeb and other places. But they turned back to him. They sought him for their supply of water, and so should we. Hosea 13.5 says, I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. And so it is. Two more, Matthew 24 and verse 7. This is Jesus predicting the end of the world, and this is kind of in the beginning of it. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines. Why are there famines? Because there's no rain. And pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. These are all the beginning of sorrows. And so that's kind of where we're at today. We are in the beginning of sorrows. We are certainly not near the end. These are the beginnings of the end. And then in Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6, this is what it says here. This is John, the apostle who knew Jesus probably better than the other ones. Verse 5. One of the elders said unto me, Don't weep, for the lion of the tribe of Judah, that would be Jesus, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I looked, and behold, I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and the four elders that they stood before the lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And then in chapter 6, we read this. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and lo, a black horse, which represents famine. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, that's a day's wages at that time, and three measures of barley for a penny and a day's wages. And see that you don't hurt the oil or the wine." 
Did you know that the Bible predicts a time when there isn't going to be weather? Wow. Without weather, there can't be rain. If there's no sunlight on the earth or on the ocean to evaporate that water up into the clouds or and form clouds, guess what? There's no rain. could be dark all the time, but no rain. Scary stuff. So, and we don't have time to go into all of those uh, scriptures, but there are some 85 different scriptures that talk about famine and drought, specifically drought. Well, for example, uh, Ezekiel 7.19 um, Zephaniah 1 and verse 3, birds disappear in Jeremiah 4:25. Animal die-offs are predicted in Hosea 4, 1 through 3. Revelation 9, 2, the earth darkens as smoke fills the atmosphere. I mean, there are just numerous scriptures about what's coming down the pike at us. So I suggest we all watch, as Jesus told us to do. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in. There is hope, though. God will fix it. He will restore us. He will keep us alive. He will keep us going as a um, kind of person. In other words, humanity. So... We need to put our trust and our faith in him. Turn to him. Turn back to him and teach others to do the same. Till next time, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com. You can read my books there, watch the videos, etc. There's nothing for sale there. So I care about you because you care about the Bible and about prophecy. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great day.